This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. The Buck Sexton Show. Andy McCarthy, he is a best-selling author, contributing editor to National Review, and also a former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. He's got a couple of pieces on nationalreview.com. We're going to talk about it right now. Andy, great to have you as always. Buck, my pleasure. All right. The Clinton emails are critical to the Clinton Foundation investigation. Andy, in your piece published yesterday on National Review, you get into some key stuff about the Clinton emails and the foundation that I think have evaded much of the public's attention. Like, for example, the significance of the Eastern District of New York in all of this. Please tell us about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a little detail that's uh, been passed over. Evidently, Buck, what we learn in this blockbuster Wall Street Journal report by Devlin Barrett earlier this week is that the FBI has been investigating the Clinton Foundation for over a year and that the investigators assigned to that case tried to get access, as you would expect them to, to the laptop computers of, of uh, I'm sorry, Cheryl Mills and Heather Samuelson, which contain the, or contained at least, the emails of Mrs. Clinton, because remember Samuelson and Mills were the ones who did this cockamamie vetting process where, you know, they decided which of her emails were going to be turned over to the State Department and which she would retain and eventually try to destroy. So obviously, agents looking at the the Clinton Foundation, now that we know how uh, intertwined Mrs. Clinton's office at the State Department was with the activities of the Clinton Foundation, obviously, they would want to look at those emails. Uh, They were stopped from doing that by uh, federal prosecutors in the Eastern District of New York. And the reason that's relevant is that is the office that was run by Loretta Lynch for six years before she was elevated to attorney general by uh, President uh, President Obama. Not only that, uh, it's the office that uh, she first came to national prominence in when she was first named U.S. Attorney by President Bill Clinton uh, in 1999. And, of course, it's uh, President Clinton who she meets with in this uh, furtive tete-a-tete on, uh, on the tarmac in Arizona only days before, lo and behold, it's announced that Mrs. Clinton isn't going to be indicted. So I think, you know, this isn't just any attorney general's office, any U.S. attorney's office. There are 94 across the country. This is Loretta Lynch's U.S. attorney's office. And I think it's quite interesting that it's that office that's blocked the FBI 
from doing what I think would be a pretty rudimentary investigative step. You know, I, I had a, a former assistant FBI director on yesterday, Andy, and, and I, I kept pushing him on the point. And I, I think he was trying to repair some of the damage done in, in the public's eye about sort of the, the integrity of the FBI's investigative uh, procedures with regard to the both of the Clinton investigations that have happened, or both the Clinton uh, aspects of this, the Clinton corruption case, as well as the classified email. And uh, the, the point that I couldn't get a satisfactory answer from him on was, why is it that all of the usual pressure brought to bear by the FBI, which is a means of getting truthful information, right? You've got the, you can't lie to FBI agents. They can use the subpoenas to get things. And the, of course, U.S. attorneys can do the same stuff. None of those usual procedural pressures seem to have been brought to bear here at any stage in the process. This was like, a, this was all a friendly chat between friends that was going to end in nothing. Am I missing something with that? Is there any point at which they were using real uh we're using the full powers and pressure of the office or of their investigative techniques to try to get after the truth here uh i hate to do this buck but i think i'm actually going to make it worse than what you're describing because um for well you know from what i see for example there's a report today uh in the washington examiner that says that they didn't even acquire the uh communications devices, whether they were laptops or smartphones or whatever, of a number of the key subjects in the Clinton investigation, in the uh, Clinton emails investigation. Uh, you know, I think lost amid all the furor of what we've discovered about this um, Wiener Aberdeen laptop is the question which, you know, probably popped to, into the heads of a number of us who are experienced at this sort of thing. Like, why are they finding out about this now? You know, why wasn't this computer uh, examined a long time ago? Well, it looks like there's a lot of computers that, that should have been examined. And the reason I mention this, Buck, is this it's not only important to remember what you're saying, which is that they have a lot of means to compel uh, the production of information. And to the FBI's defense, they need the Justice Department's cooperation for that, and this Justice Department has not cooperated with them in this investigation. But the other thing I would point out, and I haven't, I haven't heard this discussed much, I haven't thought about it much myself until today, but, you know, in addition to being the country's leading criminal investigative agency, the FBI is also our domestic security service. So it seems to me that quite apart from the, fact, uh, from the question whether there was sufficient evidence in this case to convict people, if there are a bunch of uh, laptops, and smartphones lying around someplace that have top secret special access program information on them that could be detrimental to the United States if that, if that stuff falls into the wrong hands. I don't understand why the FBI didn't go out and grab those things wholly apart from whether they would be uh, critical evidence in a, in a criminal investigation. So, you know, I think that there are, there are steps that they absolutely should have taken that they have not taken in this case. And to the extent that they've been claiming that this case was handled like every other case, you know, my God, I, I've never seen a case handled like this case. Right. I mean, they, they act like uh, or they've given the Clinton aides as well as Hillary Clinton herself all of these 
these sort of special perks. They they didn't go. They never right. convened a grand jury. They didn't use subpoenas. They gave them uh, what was it? Qualified immunity for the production of uh, of the laptops. And but but for the for yeah. the Eastern District of New York to say, well, you've got the laptops, but you can't look. We've got another concurrent investigation, and you can't look for the corruption stuff on those laptops. You can only look for the classified. It, it, that just seems like outright obstruction from Loretta Lynch's former, you know, former home turf. Yeah, it, it certainly doesn't. Uh, it, it certainly doesn't make any sense to me because the other thing, according to the Wall Street Journal article, that the uh, Clinton Foundation investigators were told about these laptops that had been seized in connection with the Clinton emails part of the investigation, or I guess I should say they're separate investigations. I shouldn't uh, describe them as if they were all one. Uh, but one of the things they were told is you can't look at those emails because they were turned over to us uh, under a uh, immunity agreement that limited uh, you know, what we were allowed to look at and what we were allowed to use them for. And that's not true. They were turned over. It is true that they were turned over in connection with an immunity agreement, and it's a disgraceful immunity agreement because they should have used a grand jury subpoena. They shouldn't have been trading and cajoling the production of evidence that that they could have compelled by law. But putting that aside, um, the only people who get immunity and limitations out of that agreement are Mills and Samuelson, the people who cut the deals. The FBI shouldn't be limited in any way with respect to how they what they can look at uh, and who they can use it against other than those two. So if there's incriminating evidence on there with respect to Mrs. Clinton or other suspects in their investigation, there's no limit on the use of that evidence against Mrs. Clinton just because they gave Cheryl Mills immunity. There's a limitation as to Mills, but there's no limitation as to Clinton. You have another piece, Andy, that I wanted to get to while we still got some time with you on air here. Clinton State Department, a RICO enterprise. I mean, you walk through, and you're somebody who used to literally do this as an assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District. You walk through the evidence, as, as it's already publicly known, for how the Clinton Foundation was operating as a, as a criminal conspiracy. Uh, give us some of how is, the, how is Hillary's found, or how is uh, the Clinton State Department, rather, a RICO enterprise, as you call it in this piece of National Review? Well, Buck, as you know, because uh, you've got experience in this sort of thing, too, when you're doing an investigation, you have to have some kind of a rubric that you put it under so that you know what you're looking for and you know, you know, what sort of stuff to subpoena. Um, you know, if you're if you got in a narcotics investigation, there's a certain way that you go about proving a narcotics crime. So you kind of you have to understand what you're dealing with before you know as an investigator how to proceed. So it seems to me that in the framework of the Clinton Foundation piece of this that I understand it, I would approach this as a racketeering enterprise because that tells me how I should go about investigating it. So under the racketeering laws, um, you can criminalize or you can, you can criminally prosecute any association, in fact, which doesn't have to be a mafia family, which is what the RICO is most famous for, it can be uh, a charity that's only an ostensible charity that's really a fraudulent enterprise. It can be a political party. It can be a component of a government agency. Any association of people, a corporation, whatever, uh, that conducts its affairs through what the law 
calls a pattern of racketeering activity, which is simply two or more specified felony offenses of federal or state law. And it seems to me that what's been uh, shown so far that we know of in connection with the, with all this is that Mrs. Clinton's office at the State Department was put in the service of the Clinton Foundation for the purpose of monetizing her political influence and giving people an end around uh, things like, uh, you know, the prohibition on foreign donations under the campaign finance laws. What people did instead with here is they just, you know, the foreigners gave the money to the Clinton Foundation, which would have been just like giving it to her as a candidate, right? Um, and the other evidence that you have here is, uh, is there fraud going on in the Clinton uh, Foundation? I would suggest that there is because fraud under federal law also includes um, the depriving of the public of the honest services of a public official if there's a quid pro quo kind of arrangement, like you give a donation to the Clinton Foundation and the State Department will do X, Y, or Z for you. Uh, other racketeering predicates include uh, obstruction of justice, which uh, is important here, and bribery. So it seems to me that it doesn't mean that I can say, sit here and say to you, I think they're guilty of this. But if I were investigating it, I'd say there's evidence that certainly tends in that direction. And that is the framework that I would put it in as an investigator to try to conduct my investigation. So you would conduct the investigation that way. But uh, last question I want to ask you, Andy, uh, is if you were uh, if you were back as an AUSA, based on what you know about the Clintons, based on what's already out there and established, do you think you could put this before a grand jury and get an indictment? Uh, if Loretta Lynch didn't fire me first. <laughs> okay. So that, that's a yes, but a qualified yes under the circumstances, right? which is, which yeah, is very well, understandable. Yeah, right. we have to, we're living in a real world here, right, Buck? I mean. Yeah. But so you think there is enough, <laughs> there is enough evidence already. If, if people were – if this wasn't the Clintons, if this was some other entity, some other group of individuals, they, you, you could bring a case and put it before a grand jury and at I'd least get an indictment. Lot- I'd want a lot more evidence before I indicted the case because as an as a prosecutor I want I don't want to indict a case just on the standard for indictment which is probable cause I want to make sure I can convict people on trial before I pull the trigger because right. it's a bad thing it's bad practice to indict a case and hope that you're going to then get the evidence that's going to put you over the top you need that evidence in hand first Gotcha all right. Andy McCarthy, everybody, is a best-selling author and contributing editor of National Review. He's got a couple of great pieces on nationalreview.com right now, and you should also follow him on Twitter. Andy, great to have you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks so much, Buck. The Buck Sexton Show. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. 
If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.